you have to keep showing up. That's the truth. Like in, in everything in life, it's like, you know, what's for you will not go by you, but you've got to go out and take it. Hello again to all of you who have tuned in. Welcome from myself, your host of the What's the Tease podcast, Pillow Talk. For this episode, my guest is a showgirl and actress out of New York City. She is old Hollywood essence with modern sensibility. Let's welcome to the What's the Tease stage, Pearls Daily. Hello. Hi, hello, Pillow. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for taking the time out of your um, bank holiday to, to sit down and share your story with us. Of course. I, I really love your, your podcast. It's so fun to listen to, you know, even though, you know, the people that I know, mm-hmm. uh, I love, I love listening to, to them talk and, and hear about, you know, their life, their stories, why they do what they do. Um, even if I know them well, it's always um, such a treat to uh, hear burlesque conversations. I always love it. It's my favorite kind of conversation. It's true. It's a great, it's a very interesting group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's always something to talk about. That's for sure. Yeah, no bias here from either side. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> so Pearls, I got the most amazing experience and opportunity to see you perform for the very first time for me in um, 2019 at the New York Burlesque Festival. And my partner, oh my Baby Ray and I um, became instant fans. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and <laughs> to be honest, I did feel very late coming to the Paul's Daily fandom game on that one. You were such an accomplished artist on stage, and I remember feeling like, how do I not know about this person? I feel like I've been living under a rock. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, you know, I feel like uh, Bill Murray a lot of the times in terms of like my art. You know, I I fell into burlesque a little bit on accident. I think it was fate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm just like, you know, I fell in love with the art form and I just kept learning about it. And then, you know, years later, here I am doing it full time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that is so sweet that you said that. That uh, burlesque festival... 2019 in New York was a really great festival Mm -hmm. and you know what a cherished memory because that was like the before times you Mm -hmm. know that was like right that was like the the just before times yes you know and that festival is always so much fun and I actually do all the volunteer coordination as well oh wow for uh, New York burlesque festivals so you know everyone I feel like everybody comes back from summer vacation it's kind of like school Mm -hmm. you know so it's like you, you see everyone in New York and then so many amazing people from all over come and with the volunteers in particular I always love meeting the new performers or even people who just love burlesque who want to volunteer and help Mm -hmm. Um, it's always such a magical weekend so I'm so honored that you I I guess found me then because uh, it was a that weekend was very special I think (laughs) so too I definitely had that feeling so great Mm -hmm. As I mentioned, your performances are captivating and they're also executed (laughs) with great precision. So I believe that your first foray into performing was through dance. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Oh, sure. Um, I was a really energetic kid. As soon as I was old enough, my mother put me in dance class. Uh, One, because I watched a lot of old movies with my grandmother. I was always putting on shows. So it it was the right move. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm from a small town, and especially at that time, there weren't a lot of arts opportunities. Mm-hmm. So, but there was dance. So my mom put me in dance class, and uh, I loved it. I took to it kind of like a fish to water, mm-hmm. and I continued studying all through school. I mean, that was that was really my thing. Um, there was a couple seasons of soccer, mm-hmm. <laughs> which, oh, I, yeah. which, which I loved. I actually loved soccer, but it came to a point where I had to choose between the two, one because of time and two because of, you know, getting injured. It's like, if you want to dance in any way, you can't risk, you know, some Joe Schmo kicking you in the knee and then, you know, it's all over. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I started dancing through elementary school, went all through high school and I worked really hard at it. I really loved dance, but I, I I had a teacher who was very hard on me. And for some reason, you know, it was like I would work so hard, but I would never quite like get a lead role. I had to like work to be a soloist. There was a whole thing, mm-hmm. but I'll never forget. We had a moment. Uh, I was auditioning for schools. It was at that point. And my teacher took me aside and she was like, you know, you're a very good dancer. She's like, I think dance should always be a part of life, for, of your life for you. But mm-hmm. if I'm going to be honest, I think the reason you are a good dancer is because you are a great actor. Oh, wow. She's like, you have a gift for musicality and a real knack for storytelling. She's like, I think you should lean into that. She's like, I think with your personality, I don't think you'll be happy in the dance dance world. Mm-hmm. Um I think you could, you know, do theater. I think you could do all these things. She's like, keep studying, keep going. But, you know, I hope that you hear my words and just know that I'm coming from a loving place. So, uh, Mrs. Siegfried, if you tune into this podcast, (laughs) um, thank you for that moment. And at the time, I'm not going to lie, I'm a a cancer rising, so I'm very Mm -hmm. sensitive. And it kind of, that hurt. Mm-hmm. In a way, because, you know, I thought dance was the original dream in so many ways. And that was only because that was really the only proper resource that I had growing up in terms of, like, training. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was my my dance background. But, mm-hmm. you know, my teacher was right. And um, once I made that transition, especially school-wise, I came to New York. I went to a conservatory for acting mm-hmm. with dance. And... It just was so right. It was like duck to water. I'm like, this makes sense. She was 100% right. Mm -hmm. And I kind of dove into uh, that aspect of my creative life, if you will. And it made sense. Mm -hmm. Well, I must say that's certainly a good sign of a great teacher. Like noticing the nuances to somebody's personality in their formative years and being able to give advice that like in your case, was definitely well-suited. Oh, absolutely. I'm incredibly grateful for it now. Um, I feel, and I feel like um, coming full circle, you know, I feel like burlesque can have everything you love in Mm -hmm. your act or your art, if you will. You know, like for me, burlesque is all about the music and um, you as a person and uh, being in the moment. It has improv I, I'm so grateful because I feel like it has it can have everything that you love. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get to share that with people, which is amazing. Yeah. So 
I came to Cape Town, which is where I live now, on a family vacation when I was about 15. And I knew if there was any place that I was going to live in in South Africa and do what I need to do, it had to be here. You're originally, as you mentioned, from, I think, upstate New York. And you came to New York City for the first time in the 10th grade um, on a school trip to see the Broadway show Chicago, one of my personal favorites. Oh, yes. What was it about New York City that made you feel that that was the place where you were going to live and pursue your career? I think that I have to give my mom credit for that one because I think she planted that seed very early because I think she saw the journey that I was going to take. So it was the kind of thing, you know, if you want to be an actor or a dancer, I mean, my my town just doesn't have the opportunities for it. It's not Mm -hmm. like you can grow up and work at a great regional house if you wanted. There, You have to drive. It's a whole thing. So it mm-hmm. was like, hey, you know, hey, kid, if you're going to do this, you know, New York is the spot. Mm-hmm. So I, I grew up hearing stories about New York. Um, I was obsessed with the photos, you know, anything my mom had. Because my mom, my mom went to FIT mm-hmm. um, in the 80s in New York. And so looking at her photos, uh, seeing it in movies too. I mean, New York City is just a star in so many films. So Mm -hmm. it's like easy to fall in love with it, watching it that way. And it's so strange. I just always knew I would live there. It wasn't even a weird thing. It was an exciting thing. And then in 10th grade, when we made that trip, you know, we're coming over the bridge and I was like, there it is. I was <sighs> like this, I'm going to live here. I'm not even afraid. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my best friend at the time, he was like, oh my God, he, I'm getting off the bus. He was just very overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, this is amazing. This is, this is it. This is where <laughs> you can come visit me. So we go to see Chicago. It's magical. The whole thing. And my my best friend actually came out to me officially on that trip. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he got caught up in the, he like felt like that you can do it spirit that I think New York has. Yeah. And I'll never forget he came out to me on that trip. It was so special. Oh, wow. And um. Isn't that amazing when you find a place or something and you're like, yeah, this is going to happen. This mm-hmm. is, um, it's magic. You can't yeah. explain it. It's just like, you know, that's where you're going to be. Yeah. So what was the dream when you, like the OG dream, when you eventually moved to the city at 18? My OG dream was to be a working artist in New York City, meaning that's how I live my life and how I paid my rent. Mm -hmm. I feel very proud that I'm living that dream. I mean, I guess you could say I thought that it would be theater across the board. I thought I would be doing theater and that would be how that'd be what I'd be doing. But I, I did the theater thing. It's amazing. I do love it. It is a whole nother grind to do. You know, anywhere from like, you know, seven to eight shows a week. You know, the pay can be not as great as certain uh, art forms. So Mm -hmm. I'm grateful to be in the place where, you know, I could do that if I wanted to. But I also think that as amazing as theater and even acting in general is, I will say that, you know, burlesque affords you the opportunity to create what you want. And Mm -hmm. I think they're in, especially in a city where especially when you move here you you have to like build up some calluses and you kind of are at the mercy of um, a lot of things you know you either have to audition and like you know fill a role or you have to get a job and you have to fill that job so you know you're kind of like doing a lot for other people 
Mm -hmm. um, in terms of like how to survive. So mm -hmm. I think that, you know, burlesque is really special because, you know, you create what you want and then you get booked for doing that thing. So I, I feel like that, you know, that was my OG dream was mm -hmm. to, to be here and to be a part of the city too. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted to be a, a New Yorker. Yeah. You know, I wanted, I, I didn't, I wanted to like earn that title you know i wanted my my kids to be natives so yeah, yeah. i feel like i feel like that was my og dream um and it hasn't really changed which i think i feel very proud of <laughs> so like i know in cape town they we have a thing here where they say you have to live in the city for at least 10 years before you can call yourself a cape tonian is there a timeline when it comes to when you can consider yourself a new yorker They say 10 years. Also. They say when you hit the, yeah, when you hit the 10-year mark, you can say you are a New Yorker. Okay. Um, I do feel like, like, people who are born here still are, some are like, come on, no, you can't. Uh, but I think <laughs> that you would definitely earn a, some kind of New Yorker card when you've been here for 10 years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's the same. It's enough time to say that you've paid your dues. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if any, if anything, you've paid your rent <laughs> for 10 years. <laughs> so with that, you know, that will give you the card. That's the fee. <laughs> yeah, geez, I think if you can manage to pay your rent in New York City for one year, you're doing all right for yourself. I know. Oh my God, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So you got your start in burlesque when you auditioned and then were booked as a replacement contract for the off-Broadway show Play Dead directed by Taylor of Penn and Taylor. The show yes. involved a macabre storytelling magic alongside nudity. What was your experience of the burlesque art form prior to this production? Pretty small, surprisingly. I had been to like a few shows and that was because friends took me. To be honest, um, I feel like It was all a blur. You know when you go out with your friends and you, you're just kind of along for the night and, and it's all a bit of a blur? Mm -hmm. um, I remember seeing Calamity Chang. Oh, yeah? Uh, I remember seeing her. She was someone who stuck with me. But very passive. I think I had seen maybe three shows. Mm -hmm. And when I saw them, it was a blast and I loved it. But I was kind of like, who does this? I don't, I'm not sure. you know. And so I was so focused on other things at that time that It didn't click with me yet. Mm -hmm. So minimal, actually, which is so interesting. And then when I booked Play Dead, I met my best friend. I met um, Miss Cherry Delight, mm -hmm. who was in that show. And we just hit it off right away. Aside from this this show, she was hosting at the Old Dwayne Park. She mm -hmm. was, um, I believe she had like the Thursday night magic show slot. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you've got to do burlesque. She's like... You know, I'm hosting this show. Why don't you come kitten for me and, you know, see if you like it. She's like, but you're going to love it. And I think I think you need to do it. And I was like, sure, I'll do it. Anything with you. She's like, if anything, we get to hang out. I'm like, great. Sign me up. Let's go. Mm -hmm. And so I started being her sidekick for um, not just that show, but, you know, she would do other shows and other things. And so I started uh, kittening for her whenever she had she needed me. And I also started going and seeing her perform and seeing more performances. And I loved it mm -hmm. oh god it was like it made so much sense but when I got started I really I just kittened I I, I didn't have um a start date mm -hmm. <laughs> if you will for like doing acts I was really like um 
I want to learn about this and Mm -hmm. I don't know what this means. I also intuitively understood right away that, you know, burlesque is a business. There are people who, you know, it's their job. So it's like, you know, who walks into an office and says, hello, I'm here now and I would like your job. So, Mm -hmm. you know, how do you do it? I was Mm -hmm. like, no, I'm not going to do that. You know, kittening for so many amazing performers. It's like, you know, you learn about their lives and you know, how hard they work. And I was like, okay, well, there's also that too. Mm -hmm. You know, I, when it's, if, and when it's my time, it will be my time. I'm just going to keep, keep working. But I loved kittening when I did it and not to toot my own horn. I was really good at it. And I was good (laughs) at it because I love keeping things organized. The timing of kittening is so crucial. Mm -hmm. You know, I I just, I feel things intuitively Mm -hmm. with people. So I feel like that's such a great quality to have as a kitten where you can like anticipate the needs you just Mm -hmm. know things so you know I had a great time uh getting into burlesque and and doing that for for years but then it was like you know I started growing and I felt the bug to perform and I also found the style that spoke to me if you will so there was also that so gosh that was my um how I got to know burlesque um, wow. kind of a roundabout way yeah yeah I don't even necessarily think it's really a roundabout way I think you made like some pertinent decisions and especially with you know starting in being somebody who is trained in dance and in acting and kittening is yes one can think of it as a role you're fulfilling for that night you know but oh, yeah. um, it's definitely a fundamental I think in terms of burlesque that's amazing like thank you for speaking up for kittening and as to like what exactly that role provides oh it's huge it's like a huge huge part of it it's so important I know everyone says to new performers like oh you should kitten first and Mm -hmm. then perform I like that advice and I only say that because I mean that's the route that I went and Mm -hmm. I feel like where I am now I'm very grateful for that background and that experience it gives you a great perspective Mm -hmm. and also I feel like it helps you become more polished too you know uh, when you take your time maybe it's the the dance training or just training in general I do think you should train for art jobs like anything that is on a stage or a screen I think you should constantly be working on your craft Mm -hmm. while I understand that you know when you want to do something you should do it obviously, and you should go for it. But I think that don't rush going into something. That's just the attitude that, that I've, I've always had. And so whenever new performers come to me, I tell them, I'm like, I think you're feeling pressured to like, just dive in and be perfect, whatever that means right away. Mm-hmm. And that's not true. Like, I just celebrated being in burlesque for 10 years. Um, this last June but the truth is like you know I didn't perform when I got involved you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. I took my time and some people are like I can't believe that I'm like it's it's true you know in a lot of ways I still I feel new every time (laughs) (laughs) I feel new every time and I think that that's that's a very good feeling there's so much pressure everywhere to like just be booked all the time or to be ready right away and it's like you know, it's okay to take your time and to get to know yourself and to not be what you think is perfect, like right out the door. You know what I mean? I think people love a journey. They love a story. And sometimes, you know, kind of like the old Hollywood system, you have to build your persona and your character Mm -hmm. too, 
actually, this is one thing I love about burlesque too, is I feel like it is kind of one of the closest art forms to the studio system of the golden age mm-hmm. of like cinema, where it's like the small town girl shows up and they're like, you're going to be a star. Well, let's rename her. You know what I mean? So you like, you choose your name and you like figure out your look and that's it. It's kind of like the Norma Jean to Marilyn Monroe thing in burlesque as well. Uh, mm-hmm. But sometimes that, that takes time to develop. You know, I just wish for wish for everyone to enjoy their journeys and it's okay to take your time. So with your background in acting, dance and theater, what criteria did you look at when choosing your burlesque name, Pearls Daily? Oh, this is a fun story. Um, and also <laughs> shout out to my, my best friend, Miss Cherry Delight, who really is my burlesque fairy godmother. Again, clueless, getting into it, she, she was like, you have to have a name. I was like, how about I just use my real name? And she was like, no, you can't do that. <laughs> it was very funny. We had like a back and forth about it. And I was like, okay, fine. And she was like, well, you love polka dots. Maybe you're a dottie. Maybe you're like a, a dottie something. And I, she started writing out all these names and mm-hmm. me too. And it just, it didn't feel right. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And at the time I was an assistant for the owner of this amazing store that used to be on West 72nd. It was called Off-Broadway Boutique. Mm -hmm. And it was run by this truly glamorous New York eccentric woman who passed away a couple years ago, unfortunately. Mm. Her name is Lindell Cohen, and she changed my life. Such a wonderful lady, and she had great style. And this one particular week, she needed me to watch over her jewelry counter. Mm-hmm. And she had a whole thing. She was like, you know, when you're working the jewelry counter, you should wear the jewelry. <laughs> I was like, of course. So I splurged on a new pair of earrings. They were giant pearls. They were Kenneth J. Lane mm-hmm. um, costume jewelry clip-on. And I, I bought these earrings, and I believe they were $80. And that was a lot of money for yeah. me, especially at that, that time. And so I wore them every day. I wore them everywhere I went. And I love those, God, I love those earrings. And then it just like, it came to me kind of through this ridiculous having to buy these earrings, but then wearing them every day to justify the purchase. (laughs) And I was like, I was like, well, I was like, well, Cherry, like, what do you think of Pearl's Daily? She was like, oh my God, I love it. I was like, yeah, you know, I really love it too. I feel like it, it has like a Mitzi Gaynor quality, you mm-hmm. know, because I, I wanted a name that sounded real enough that somebody could be like, oh, they, they could be named that. Yeah. But, you know, g- glamorous and heightened enough. So if you saw it on a movie poster or a marquee, yeah. someone would say, oh, what, you know, what a great name. Yeah. Um, also, also, if it gets yelled out in a noisy bar. You know, it's not complicated to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I forget, I forget who gave that advice. That might be Joe Boobs. I feel like there's somebody who's like, you know, with your name, with your name, like try to have it be pronounced. You know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's how Pearls Daily was born. When it, the name was finally chosen, I didn't overthink it. Again, yeah. it was a, that feeling that yeah. we talked about. It felt right. It felt like me when I started moving into you know working full-time it became too much to um hop back and forth between the two Mm -hmm. and like my real name and my you know burlesque name Mm -hmm. and I was like you know what 
I'm just pearls. I am a pearls. So mm-hmm. I just go by pearls now. It's pretty wild. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. What a great story. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You've had leading roles in productions like Lady L'Amour's Final Bow at Dwayne Park and Minky Woodcock, the girl who handcuffed Houdini where several of your artistic passions meet. How does your background in theater inform the way you approach your burlesque? You know, it's like a a technique thing. So it's like, uh, you know, I break down all my music uh, moment by moment. I think of not just like my moment before and my moment after, but I actually try to always think of the moment of. Um, I think that um, a lot of people think of the moment before and the moment after, which is of course important. But I'm really focused on what is happening in that moment. Mm -hmm. What am I doing to these people? What are they doing to me? So I feel like the theater, the dance training, all of that stuff, uh, when I'm preparing for an act, whether I'm rehearsing or about to perform, you know, I just do all that work on my own. So when I show up, it's like I'm ready and I can kind of throw that technique away. I was actually talking to, uh, do you know uh, Gigi Holiday? Uh, I know of have her. Have you met her yet? Yeah, I have okay. not had that pleasure. God, what a magical, funny woman. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Um, we were together uh, last night, actually. And I feel like this actually ties into the answer to this question really well. Oh, last um, night at... Uh... Uh, Dwayne Park. Uh, she actually, she made her debut last night. It was very exciting. Amazing. And we... And we were sitting together after uh, we had both performed and we, we were watching the room and she was sitting there. She's like, you know, this is like a master class in burlesque. She's like, you know, I have taught dance to kids. I've done all this stuff. She's like, and I, I, I don't know what you guys are doing here, but it is. It's a master class in, in burlesque. And I was saying, I was like, well, you know, it's so funny. People ask me like, like, how, how do you do what you do? She's like, how do you, you know, how do you do what you do? And I'm like, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a thing where, like, there is part of it where I don't know. But I, I do know that I think you, you work in a way where the only form of control that you have is letting go. Mm-hmm. I was like, I think that in, like, burlesque preparation, it's like you can prepare and rehearse and get that muscle memory ready. But when you are doing what you do, the true thing is you have to let it go. And that's a hard thing to explain to people because mm-hmm. that's an experience. Like, well, what do you mean? Like, how do I let it go? It's like, I wish I could tell you because mm-hmm. that would be fascinating. But it's it's like uh, all art forms, all training. You eventually have to abandon what that is to do it mm-hmm. properly. Because, you know, it's the kind of thing like, you know, I'll use dance as an example. You know, it's the kind of thing where you could go and see a ballet, right? Mm-hmm. And the dancers could be perfect. Their technique is on point. They, they're they doing all of the things, but you're not moved. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. maybe they're, they, they don't understand the story. They're not in the moment. You know, you're not a fly on the walls. And so that's, that's I think, the difference. Uh, and that's the best way I can describe it, too. Because mm-hmm. that's the thing. It's like, you know, you can train and be the most fabulous technical dancer mm-hmm. or... You know, same thing with acting. You can, like, learn dialects, stretch your voice, do a thousand plays, do all of these things. But, like, you know, if you are not authentically bringing yourself, you know, through your character, if you're not in the moment, if you're not actually listening, then it's kind of like, it's like level one of, mm-hmm. like, whatever that is. 
So it was a great conversation last night. We really like clicked in on like a lot of stuff, but I feel like there is that time for a burlesquers in particular where it's scary, but you have to let it go. Mm-hmm. And you have to see literally what's in front of you and you have to make a choice. Mm-hmm. I believe, what is it? I think what Stella Adler says, you know, the talent is in the choices. Mm-hmm. It's like you hear that quote and you're like, okay. But then if you think about it, you're like, you know what? Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, you could be able to kick your face. You could do uh, backflips. You could just, you know, be fabulous. But it's like it comes down to the choices you make in mm-hmm. those moments as that performer that will make you shine the best that you are. Yeah. Thank you for yeah. dropping those pearls of wisdom on us. Oh my God. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, it's so funny. Again, it's like I feel new all the time. And mm-hmm. I think that that's a great way to feel. When referring to burlesque, you mentioned that women are looking for representations of themselves being sexy in a previous interview. Who did you see that inspired you? Oh God, there's so many people. And you know, when I was kittening, my first like proper regular kittening gig was Dwayne Park. So mm-hmm. it was like, you know, I was doing pickup for like the best, some of the most talented people. I, I will say that the three people that resonated with me the most are definitely Gal Friday, mm-hmm. uh, who I love. Gal Friday, the main attraction, mm-hmm. and uh, Pro, uh, Pearl, Pearl yeah. Noir. And, and also Peekaboo Point. I have to give a shout out to Peekaboo Point too. She is magical. Oh my God. You know, but those four women, they kind of had that thing that I was just talking about where they were just so authentically themselves. It was like you could see a thousand different classical acts. You know, some people were fabulous, but there was just something about those ladies where they really brought themselves through their craft. You know, like when they were done, you were moved. Whether you were laughing or crying, they had impact out the door, out front. And that inspired me to step, you know, step into more of the performance role and and ask myself like what that would be for me because they just were so themselves. And and I also appreciated how they connected with their audiences. Mm-hmm. I know that they all work very hard. I know that they have beautiful costumes, they're beautiful women. Pearl in particular, I know rehearses <laughs> so much oh yeah um but that but um but the thing is is it's like when they're out there it's effortless you know and when something gets thrown at them they answer it it's never like ignored you know sometimes i would see performers and it was like you know an audience member would like do something and they would get thrown off it wasn't what they rehearsed so to them whatever they did was a failure. You know what I mean? They would come off stage and they're like, oh my God, I did terrible. It wasn't what I expected. I was like, no, I, that's the, you know, that's the gift. You know what I mean? Like, and of course I get it when something, if you feel unsafe or something like that, of course that's terrible. But you know, those four women in particular, they are truly fearless. I feel, um, after, after years of, of watching and working with people, they're they're fearless. Uh, they don't care, if you will, not to like use that phrase. Like they don't care, but they do care. They're very yes. generous to their audiences as well. You know, they're they are a delight. So I feel like those four would be my answer for for people who really flipped a switch for me into thinking of what it would mean to be a dancer and what it would mean to fill that role. 
Awesome. So 2019, you were crowned Miss Coney Island. What was significant about 2019? A year you've referenced as a time when you felt like you had stepped into your power and felt connected to the city. Yes. Oh, wow. 2019 was a very special year. Obviously, Coney was um, a magical thing and a big honor to, you know, get to be Miss Coney Island. But aside from that, the lead up to Miss Coney Island, too, was at the time I I was coming up on um, a year sober. I had started my journey into not drinking leading up to the the Miss Coney Island pageant. And it was something that I didn't know I'd be doing. When I was drinking during the good times, I loved it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I absolutely loved it. Uh, But being in nightlife, being around it almost every night of the week, you know, it was catching up with me. Yeah. It was like I had another persona that would like creep in sometimes and that was just like very mean to myself. Mm -hmm. A lot of negative self-talk, a lot of depression. Um, I was really struggling and I was not admitting that I was struggling and I was certainly busy and covering it up with a lot of other things, but I needed to, I needed to cut the cord. And so I'll never forget, um, I had been struggling with a couple regular bookings that I have. This person who I'm going to keep nameless on here, I love them. We have a great relationship. I just want to preface that before mm-hmm. I dive in. But this booker in particular called me up and uh, was like, hey, Pearls, you know, I love having you uh, at this one particular nightclub. I had a like a residency. Like I was very regular there. And she was like, but listen, you have to lose a little weight. I need you to be sharper. You know, I think that you are so sweet and you're talented, but I have to take you off the schedule for the future until, you know, something changes. And she she's a very real blunt person. Mm-hmm. And she was like, listen, if I didn't like you, I wouldn't call you. She's like, I think you need to kind of get it together. So she kind of gave me this talk And it was really devastating to hear because in my mind, I thought I was doing, I was working really hard. I was doing everything I could do. You know, getting those kinds of phone calls about like being unbooked are very frightening, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and it was really weird. And I'll never forget, I was sitting in the backyard in my now husband's backyard um, Mm -hmm. with him and we were talking and I was like, wow, I'm like, is this it? I'm like, am I, am I done? You know, I'm, I'm wow. like, is the uni- I'm like, is the universe telling me to quit? You know, because I'm not, I'm not feeling myself. I'm not feeling right somehow. Mm-hmm. And he very lovingly, he was like, because he, because he knew that I was taking some steps, like to it, like you know, improve my health, or I was trying, if you will. And he pointed mm-hmm. out, he was like, well, you know, babe, you do drink a lot, mm-hmm. you know. And he, and I was like wow, you know, and I thought about it. And it was so true. It was like, not only was I drinking at work, but it would, it was like creeping into like, when I would be home, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? In a a way that wasn't good for me. So in 2019, it was like, I was on that journey. Mm -hmm. And I was I was feeling really empowered and really, really good. It was um, the first time in my life where I really stepped up for myself. You know what I mean? It was yeah. like I no, nobody can do that but me. You can't buy your way out of anything. You can't whatever. 
slap a band-aid on it you kind of have to like get in there and, and rewire yourself and go really deep and so I started doing that kind of work and three years later I'm still sober still doing it mm-hmm. and really really grateful it was I think that cutting out everything isn't for everyone I mm-hmm. think that you know some people can do anything in moderation and it's great you know I don't want to sound like I'm coming from a judgmental place yeah um, at all I had to cut it out for me mm-hmm. and I'm very very grateful to be standing on the other side of what that was because it was a really really hard time like 2018 leading into 2019 but yeah 2019 what a what a great year I mean that is really the big thing that was so great so it was like I was getting sober uh, Miss Coney Island happened and I just felt reborn mm-hmm. in a way in 2019 it was very 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 special and of course being miss coney was such a delight it was such an honor to be a part of that whole thing Mm -hmm. um i just love bambi so much shout out to bambi i love you bambi (laughs) the mermaid i worked hard on on that pageant i really put a lot of thought into what i presented it just such a feel good, such an honor to be seen by peers and community and Coney and to kind of like feel that big hug, you know, which is like the Coney magic, you know? Mm -hmm. But yeah, that was why 2019 was so special was I felt like I was actually kind of returning to who I was as a kid. Yeah. You know, like a kid who loved performing, who loved people, who was present and had energy. You know, that's the thing. I think sometimes looking back to like, your original dream, which we talked about earlier, Mm -hmm. when you think of your original dream and like when you were a kid, you know, part of what is so amazing is like when you're a kid, like you're not caught up in like the adult things that get things twisted for you. You know, sometimes like alcohol and other outside things can really twist your dreams and twist like where you are. So it's like when you take those things out, you kind of return to that joy that you had as a child. Like for me personally, I felt that in a really, really big way. Oh, well, salute to you. Yeah. And may there be many more 2019s in your future. I wish them for everyone and whatever that, whatever that means, you know, for people. I love hearing when people step up for themselves and like really like go for it. I think it's so exciting and cool. Also, I love that step up for yourself coming to a theater near you. (laughs) Yes, yes, step up for yourself. (laughs) I want to see that one in the franchise. Oh my God, maybe it'll be my TED Talk. My TED Talk will be Step Up for Yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have been credited as a founding member of the House of Noir Gems, presented by, as you mentioned earlier, one of your inspirations, Paul Noir. How did this opportunity come about and what impact has it had on your burlesque career being a part of this house? Oh, this is a great story. Okay, first of all, I have two Pearl Noir stories that are just like so special leading up to this House of Noir audition, which it was a proper audition to be Mm -hmm. in the House of Noir. It was like, it was, which is a a story. God, what an incredible, an incredible thing. Um, Like you're preparing for Juilliard kind of vibe. Yeah, very (laughs) much. Oh my God. So when I had gotten started in burlesque, you know, word on the street was I was a really good kitten, right? So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, 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 so when I was starting, you know, things started picking up for me. 
And um, I'll never forget, there was two things. The first time I ever kitten for Pearl was at Dwayne Park, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, she needed fans. So I was like, no problem. I can hand them off to you. you. Just show me how you'd like them. And so we are doing this show. It's like a packed Saturday night show. She's on stage killing it. And she does the moment where she wants her fans. So I go over and I go to give Pearl her fans. And, you know, I'm the kitten. So I'm, like, trying to blend in with the wall. And I'm just, like, I'm just there. And I will never forget this woman. She she takes the fans from me. Gets in my ear. And she was, like, I just want to thank you so much. You were so wonderful. Like, literally started, like, giving me, like, you were so wonderful. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, doing was, the like, act. Like, Yeah. Like, yeah. we had, like, a moment. Like, a moment. Oh, she was, wow. like, acknowledge- She was, like, acknowledging uh, me. And I had never had anyone do that to me, let mm-hmm. alone, like, Pearl Noir. Mm-hmm. Let alone let alone during a show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was stunned. I couldn't believe this person. So magical. So she goes. She kills it. She was just so much fun backstage. So funny. And we just, you know, hit it off. I would see her at Dwayne mainly at Dwayne. Mm-hmm. Uh, fast fast forward to uh, Murray Hill asked me to kitten for him. He had a gig coming up and he was like, oh, you know, you want a kitten? I was like, oh my God, mm-hmm. of course. <laughs> I go do this gig and of course it's it's star studded. It's Pearl. It's Mr. Gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peek-a- Peekaboo was there, Murray. Mm-hmm. Part of the gig was we got to eat beforehand. So, you know, we're sitting at this club. Nobody is there but the cast and the wait staff. At the time, I was assistant directing a play. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of running back and forth. And there was this guy in the play, very talented person, but he was kind of stalking me. It was it was getting kind of weird. I had a gig at a bakery. He would, like, show up at my bakery. Um, he started just showing up places. It was very strange. And again, because I was assistant directing this play, you know, my information was available to the cast and to people. So he would, like find me I don't know so can I tell you I am sitting in this club with these stars right mm-hmm. and I'm you know I'm getting I'm, I'm trying to make a good impression we're having fun out of nowhere comes this guy right mm-hmm. oh my god I don't even know how he got in I'm serious <laughs> and he marches over to this table and he just starts talking at me and it was so frightening it was really weird and I just froze and, you know, everyone, I think everybody thought I knew him. Mm-hmm. And I was frozen, mortified, kind of scared in a way. I froze. And I'll never forget, Murray Hill was like, Pearl, is this a friend of yours? Mm-hmm. And um, Pearl Noir, she put her hand on my knee. It was like she knew that it was off. And she was like, you know, we need to go to the bathroom. So she took me to the bathroom. And she was like, what is going on? And I like, you know, I kind of got upset because it was just like so embarrassing and so weird. And I was like, you know, I'm assistant directing this show. I'm not friends with this person. He just kind of follows me. I'm so sorry. She goes, okay, we're going to go out there. We're going to make him leave. And if he tries to talk to you, I want you to put your hand up and you're going to say, I'm working. Mm Mm-hmm. And she's like, do it right now. So I did. I would put my hand up. I'm like, I'm working. She goes, perfect. We go back out. And this guy, he tries to run up to me. And I was like, I'm working. And he like, it kind of was like seeing a a robot, like short circuit. Mm -hmm. Up until that point, I had just, I hadn't known how to deal with him. So I was like, I'm working. And then thank God, security came and he had to, they got him out. Oh my God. It was the weirdest thing. But she, you know, again, she could tell I was frightened and really looked out for me and I'll never I, you know 
I love her so much. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I had I had gotten to know Pearl in that way. So mm-hmm. um, so I just loved her. And then, you know, a couple years in, word on the street, she's having auditions for her house and for her company. Mm-hmm. You know, I have no fear of auditioning. You know, I've been doing it forever. And I, you know, I love Pearl and I love her style. I was like, you know, I'm going to go for it because I love classic burlesque. I love dance. I love Pearl. So let's, <laughs> let's, let's do it. Ticking so, all the boxes. Uh, Ticking all the boxes. So, you know, I went and I auditioned and it was so funny because she had judges and the whole thing. It was a very challenging audition because, again, you know, Pearl is kind of like Fosse where like when you see the choreography, it, it's so precise and simple that you're like, oh, I, you know, I could do that. But then you're like, oh, I have to practice really hard. <laughs> you know, it's kind of part of her, her genius, if mm-hmm. you will. She's she's so amazing. So uh, I did this audition. There was tons of people. One memory I have that I love was everyone dressed for this audition, which I I love dressing anyway. But she encouraged people to you know, dress up to audition. So, you know, the fishnets and kind of coming full circle to the Chicago thing. You know, my first Broadway show that I saw in the city. Yeah. I felt like I was in an audition for Chicago a little bit because yeah. everyone was in their like c- cell block tango looks and you know we're you know trying to yeah. learn this choreography um and then you know the rest is history i was so, like i was so honored to be chosen and what a thing i mean we really hit the ground running mm-hmm. gosh some of the most exciting gigs I've ever had in my life. And then, of course, the Beehoff win, you know? I mean, mm. we really, God, we worked so hard for that. And I'm I'm so proud of it. I love all the, the crew, if mm-hmm. you will. What a journey. And again, you know, Pearl is the kind of artist that rehearses a lot. And she rehearses and rehearses till, you know, when she and when we show up to, to perform. It's like so in your body that... You can't miss a beat. And, and I think the thing that's great is that I also, I think that's part of her, her magic of why she's in the moment so much is just because she just, she's worked so hard on um, putting together her, her acts too, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was such a, tr- it's such a treat to um, get to experience that her process, yeah. if you will, in, yes. a, in a, in a group uh, setting. She always talks very highly of, her house of noir gems, you being one of them. With COVID and with everything, I have been shifting a little bit creatively in wanting to get more into film mm-hmm. and uh, film and uh, TV in particular. And she's been very supportive of um, me kind of refocusing on more of my acting. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I just so appreciate her for that too. So speaking of your new endeavors, I just want to hark back to the immersive theater productions you've been involved in have had a common thread in my mind. They're always mysteries that look at the darker sides of people and situations. And in 2020, you produced and starred in your first short film, the psychological drama Briar. Did I say that right? You did, yes. Okay, awesome. Yeah, nailed it. <laughs> nailed it, yes. <laughs> what is it about the thriller genre that you enjoy creating work within? I have, I think I have two answers for this. And mm-hmm. the first one, you're going to laugh. The first one is, I don't know. It's kind <laughs> of like, um, 
that thing where it's like, how do you do what you do? Like mm-hmm. when people want you to break down your process or whatever, I can't completely, completely tell you. Um, there's that magic where, you know, I kind of love it. So that's the first answer. Mm-hmm. The second answer is I think that the thriller genre and, you know, you know, horror thriller that, you know, noir, there's something about it. I like the impact that it creates. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of like burlesque, like when you have people on the edge of their seats and you take them on a journey and then, you know, you leave, it leaves you hungry for more. Mm-hmm. Um, it leaves you a- asking questions. It's kind of thrilling to be frightened mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes. And it surprises some people, but I've always, I've always been fascinated with, I grew up watching Unsolved Mysteries. If that answers any of this question as well i'm mm-hmm. just i'm fascinated by spooky things i always i always have been um so it definitely informs you know the kind of films and characters that i want to create you know mm-hmm. moving forward in in that part of my career for sure you kind of touched on a little bit of what i was going to ask you my next question but i just want the people to know that briar has already been accepted into multiple film festivals and it's received accolades for best thriller best cinematography and best Act- actress i mean a lot of those are roles that you took on for the creation of this project and as you mentioned before burlesque is something that teaches you how to have an impact on the audience in a very short time so I was kind of wanting to, you to expand on that a little bit and let us know uh, how does this knowledge of burlesque aid you in your process as a filmmaker? Sometimes film in particular, people almost are too smart. I think being entertaining mm-hmm. is a gift. And I think that if you can tie that into all the other artistry, I think that that is something that will make you pop. And I think that being in burlesque, you think outside of the box, you're very in tune with people and their feelings. And so I think it aids you in the storytelling because, you know, it helps you have that impact. I think some people get too caught up in their heads Mm -hmm. when they realize that it's an emotional thing. I mean, when you watch a great film, it's like, you know, the the ones that really hit you are the ones that are like experiencing the emotion and like going through the story they're not talking about the story they're not like having theories about it or like breaking it down in a in a weird way you know it's about the the feeling Mm -hmm. and burlesque is all about the feeling and the creating the mood and the atmosphere Mm -hmm. so that has been i think that's fantastic to have uh for filmmaking i'm so excited and um honored to have the you know this kind of wild card in my back pocket uh that i think (laughs) it has already been a lot of fun you know writing and creating and kind of bringing that to the table uh with projects because you know it's like we were chatting about earlier too it's like you know you could be a really technically proficient dancer and know all the moves and like with acting you know you can be a you know have a great voice but it's like you have to throw that all away at one point and you mm-hmm. have to remember that you know you're there to have an impact on people mm-hmm. so i'm so grateful for it it really makes you 
be creative. You know, also in burlesque, you wear so many hats, you know, between making your costumes to Mm -hmm. creating, finding your music to, gosh, I mean, even booking yourself. I mean, I feel like getting into film, um, I feel like I I have um, more stamina and more muscles uh, than I realize, you know, because it takes a lot to, you know, put stuff together. And, you know, burlesque uh, prepares you for a lot of those things. So I'm excited. I think it's so great. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for yeah. you. Yeah, and I can't Thank wait you. till we get an opportunity to uh, see this offering that you've got out in the world right now. Well, the the next one is um, we're doing the French Riviera Film Festival. Mm-hmm. And there is an online uh, ticket. So you can watch it. I'm going to – I have to make a post for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's actually coming up in July. I believe that is July 14th and 15th. Um, they should be giving us more info soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Briar, she's out. She's out in the world. So if you <laughs> like to see it, that's the next uh, the next one that you'll be able to catch. Cool. So what does 2021 have in store for Pearl's Daily? I mean, well, what's left of 2021? Right. We're already oh halfway God. through it. Can you believe it? For 2021, my main focus is working on, you know, my film production and my, you know, my dream company, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, I'm burlesquing. I am around. I feel like I want to make up for a year of not seeing people. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, I love it. Uh, I'm developing two scripts at the moment. One short, one more of a feature. The feature, I don't want to give anything away, but the feature, I think, is going to involve zombies, so I'm very excited. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) For that. Um, So, you know, those are my two babies. There is also some potential acting work coming up for me in the near future, Mm -hmm. which is very exciting because of, like, NDAs and stuff and, like, some of the people involved, I can't say anything. Yes, of course. Uh, But I do have some acting coming up which I'm very excited about but you know I'm focused on my acting Mm -hmm. in 2021 and um you know creating the kinds of films and content that I want to see in the world and also creating community around that and um giving opportunities to other people which I think is important as well you know the whole collaboration element of of film and tv too is very exciting to me so I'm I'm excited to be doing that kind of work on the, you know, the opposite side, like the production side and creating these stories. And, uh, you know, we will see what happens. Yeah, that all sounds very cool. So, Pearls, in closing, tell us, where can we find and support more of your work? I have my Instagram, which is The Pearls Daily Show. I also, I am on OnlyFans, so you can find me there as, as Pearls Daily. The OnlyFans is super fun because the main use that I use it for, especially with the pandemic, is because <laughs> I was trying to host a happy hour show on my Instagram. You know, very like, you know, talk show, like have a guest on and they do burlesque, we'd hang out and talk and that'd be it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but of course, Instagram is not having that. Um, no. So I moved, I moved that show to OnlyFans. So... I kind of do more of a solo thing at the moment, but it's really fun. I answer questions. I hang out uh, with people on there. So that's fun. So you can always, if you ever want to like literally like hang out with me, I always recommend the OnlyFans because I pop on there and host the happy hour show usually once or twice a week. 
Um, so there's the OnlyFans. And also, you know, I have my website, pearlsdaily.com. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to, you know, post uh, work updates, things like that on there. So there's a couple couple spots you can find me. Awesome. So I just want to end by thanking you for taking the time to dish us a serving of Pearls Daily for this episode of What's the Tease? It was so great getting to chat with you and thank you so much for having me and I look forward to just meeting you, hanging with you in the future.